the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing issues and challenges facing today's church, and we are live Live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, with Christmas almost upon us, the holiday seasons are in full swing, and uh, we anticipate often hearing sermons and messages taught from the book of Matthew or the book of Luke. But how often have you heard a Christmas message taught from the book of Hebrews? Are you aware that there are great similarities? Well, tonight we bring you part five in our series entitled Seeing Christmas Through the Book of Hebrews. You won't want to miss this, so stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, uplifting introduction and challenging introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land. For joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. We always count the blessing to be here and to teach God's Word and to be a blessing to the body of Christ. And uh, as Brother Gary said, uh, we have been doing this series. We come to part five, seeing Christmas according to the book of Hebrews. What a series and teaching this has been. So we want to challenge you to Get your Bibles, get your pens and paper, and get at a table and take some good notes and be blessed. Now, let me say this by way of introduction. The Christmas story is much more than a secular humanistic celebration. Uh, Today, sad to say, we live in a postmodern world. What do I mean by that? where people do not believe in a divine absolute. That's what we mean by postmodernism. And postmodernism gives birth to an anti-Christ spirit and an anti-Christmas spirit. Uh, That is why uh, people are trying to change the terms Christmas and uh, like in replacement for Happy holidays and season greetings and happy Kwanzaa. All of that stuff is an attack upon the Christian faith. The Bible speaks about the spirit of the Antichrist. And this spirit of the Antichrist will continue to grow uh, as we move towards the end of time. And it will be fulfilled in the man of sin, the son 
of perdition, the Antichrist that the Bible talks about throughout. Now, be on your guard, be watchful, prayerful about this spirit of the Antichrist that's at work and against Christ, against the Bible, against uh, the workings of God and everything he's done in history, everything he's doing today. Now, be watchful, be prayerful regarding the spirit of the Antichrist, invading many of our, even sad to say, invading even many of our churches today. There is no room in the end in Jesus' day when Jesus first came. And today, there's still no room uh, in people's hearts, in a lot of people's hearts today, for Jesus Christ. But the true story of Christmas and the true celebration of Christmas is that God broke into time and space as truly the God-man to save us from our sins. That is why his name is called Emmanuel, which being interpreted with God with us. Now, my title is, in this series, is Seeing Christmas According to the Book of Hebrews. Oh, what a title. A different title from what we have been taught in most of our churches. Now, I want to talk about the word both a lot. B-O-T-H, both. Now, make a note of that. I just want to meddle with this word both. Now, both, as it relates to both the writer of the Gospel of John and the writer of the book of Hebrews. Let me just kind of like talk about both of them. Number one, I want to try to give you at least about six points about both of these writers. Both of these writers. Number one, both of the writers of Hebrews and the writer of the Gospel of John both see the divine Son and all of his majesty at the beginning of their books. Isn't that interesting? That is so interesting to me. Both. Both of the writers, let me say it again, both of the writers of Hebrews and the writer of the Gospel of John both see the divine Son and all of his majesty at the beginning of their books. Let me give you an example. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. This is talking about Jesus being God. Right at the beginning, the writer of Hebrews hits you with the reality that Jesus is God, the express image of his person, the divine stamp of God. That's what Jesus was. So both present the Son as eternally existing. And John, in John 1 and 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So both writers, I'm meddling with this word both. 
both writers talk about Jesus as God in the beginning of their books. Number two, both the writer of Hebrews and the writer of the Gospel of John both see throughout their books Christology. Now, even though the word Christology is not mentioned, the evidence of it is mentioned in both of the books throughout their books. Now, what do we mean by the word Christology? What we mean by the word Christology is it's referring to the person, nature, and work of Christ. Don't miss this word, even though it's not mentioned in the book of John, nor the book of Hebrews. The evidence, it's kind of like looking at it from the standpoint of the uh, Trinity. The word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, but the evidence, and the same thing with the word Christology, is not mentioned, but the evidence and both of these writers hit you with the person, nature, and work of Jesus Christ throughout their books. That is powerful. Both books. Amen. Both. I told you I was going to meddle with this word both now, and this is tremendous teaching in the Spirit, and you want to make sure that you take good notes on this. Number three. Number three. Both of the writers, now both the writer of Hebrews and the writer of the Gospel of John, or reverse it, the writer of the Gospel of John and the writer of the book of Hebrews, both see and speak of the humanity of Christ. Now, I'm going to stop at this point. And that means that you're going to have to listen to the next program to get all of the six points How about that. So number three, both the writer of Hebrews and the writer of the Gospel of John or the writer of the Gospel of John and the writer of the book of Hebrews both speak of the humanity of Christ. Where's that? Well, in the uh, uh, the Gospel of John, it speaks of the incarnation in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh. Soma, the Greek word for flesh is soma, S-O-M-A. Soma, made flesh. God broke into time and space. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Oh, don't. Let anybody tell you that Jesus was an angel, or he was created, or he was made, or he was a great prophet. He was a great leader, great religious leader. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus. His name is Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. That's what Christmas and every day is about. Not just Christmas, every day. About Emmanuel, God being with us. Now, what about the book of Hebrews? Hebrews uh, 1 and verse 6. Hebrews 1 and 6 says, again, 
when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world. So the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus Christ coming into the world. How did he come into the world? He came into the world as God in human flesh. So the writer of Hebrews is talking about him coming into the world. And John 1 and verse 14 talks about, and the word was made flesh. Oh, this is tremendous, tremendous truth. You need to be like a, a sponge. Don't be like a sieve head. Be like a sponge head. Soak it up and just eat it up every day of your life. Now, if you don't believe that Jesus, I'm say this in conclusion, if you don't believe that Jesus is God and man and the Savior of the world who came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, my friend, I want to challenge you tonight to say this prayer with me. If you've been uh, convicted of this message tonight, I want you to say this prayer with me. Dear Lord, forgive me for being ignorant of who you are. I repent of that. I not only confess my sins, I repent of that. And Lord, forgive me for not sharing who you are to a lost world. Dear Lord, I confess my sins and I accept you into my heart as my personal Savior and Lord. So Lord, empower me right now to be in your word and your word in me daily. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches regarding both of these writers and the great truth that comes out of both of their writings regarding who Jesus is, the Supreme One, Brother Gary. All right, well, our phone lines are open and we wanna hear from you. We're gonna take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. And uh, we just, you know, are so, so blessed to be able to report that God has just kept us going and we're in the black. Uh, We're caught up for this month and uh, we know it's due to your prayers, your consistent prayers, as well as your consistent giving. So we just want to take this opportunity to thank you, our listening audience, for being so faithful to this ministry. It is such a blessing, and we want you to continue to be faithful and continue to be faithful in prayer, because this is a prayer-driven ministry, and as well as being faithful to giving to this ministry. Um, it costs us 400 a week to remain on the air. And so it's no small thing. And we really appreciate the, the generosity of you, the listening audience. So we just can't thank you enough. And we want to encourage you to continue to pray uh, 
and continue to give. There are two ways that you can donate. Uh, you can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier. Simply go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. And click on the Donate button. It's that simple. And you will be a blessing for time and eternity. I always say, you know what? One day we're going to get to heaven and God's going to say, look behind you and you will see a multitude of people. And you're going to ask God, who are these people? And the Lord is going to say, these are the people that were saved and brought into the kingdom as a result of your giving. And it's so powerful that when we're faithful to giving, it changes lives for time and eternity. It changes and it ushers people into the kingdom as a result. And so your giving is doing that every time, allowing us to continue to give reasons and answers for, for faith, allowing us to, to uh, continue to pray, continue to be a blessing throughout the airwaves. And so we can't thank you enough for partnering with us in this vital ministry. So thank you again. Well, Dr. Buckner, about ready to hit the callers again? Yes, and I just want to say this, too, along with what you're saying is that, uh, you know, we are deeply appreciative and uh, some people go beyond the call of duty uh, on a greater level in their giving. And we do acknowledge that tonight and appreciate that. Uh, And God bless you all, even those who give a little as well as those who give uh, in the in the little and those who give in the middle and those who give big in the eyes of God, uh, he sees it coming from your heart and what you can afford. So we really appreciate your faithfulness because that's why we're able to be here every Saturday teaching the word faithfully. So thank you again. All right, Brother Gary, let's get to our, uh, our callers. All right. We have Brother Rick holding on line one. Brother Rick, how you doing? I'm hanging in there. And just want to break the news to everybody that my mother passed away this past uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I just wanted to do. And then the uh, second thing I'm going to ask is a, a question. What does it mean in the scriptures when it describes David as a man after God's own heart? Well, thank you, Brother Rick, for that uh, question. We really appreciate it. And our hearts and prayers go out to you. Uh, and your family regarding your mother passing. And uh, we know that there's a lot of people who listen to you uh, and remember you being our phone counselor. And we just want to encourage everybody just to remember Brother Rick in prayer. And before we, before we let him go, uh, we're going to pray for that brother and his family. All right, so we're going to get to your question. Uh, what does it mean? for it. When the scripture says David was a man who had a heart after God. Well, that's a very good question. You know, uh, this is a good way to kind of like memorize scripture uh, because I'm going to give you uh, two uh, number 13s so that you can remember that. Uh, And you can write down 
uh, I would say, 1 Samuel chapter 13, okay? That's the first 13. Uh, and then Acts chapter 13. Now, that's easy to remember. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and Acts chapter 13. Now, let's go to uh, 1 Samuel 13 and 22. And I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 13 and verse 14. 1 Samuel 13 and verse 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be the captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Now, he's uh, talking to Saul, King Saul, and he's delegating the uh, kingdom over to uh, David to be the king. Now, I'm going to say something about that. And then when you go over to Acts chapter 13, so we're going to go to Acts chapter 13. And then in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says later down here in, the, in this verse, and when he had removed him, he raised him up unto them, David, to be their king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now, so the two chapter 13s, good way to remember that. And you want to make a note of that. Now, in the context of Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, um, it will explain to you what it means when David had a heart after God. <clears throat> now, uh, what has happened, I'm going to break that down in a minute. What has happened here is that um, King Saul, he had all the sacrifices. He uh, did all of the external things, but his heart was not right with God. He did not keep the commandments of God. And uh, God looked at that and said, I'm going to remove him. I'm going to remove him from being the king. And I'm going to raise up David to be the king because he has a heart after me. Now, uh, so King Saul, all of his uh, life was into compromising. Even around the sacrifices, he was compromising. And so in the transitioning God said, okay, I'm going to get a man after my own heart. Now, when you look at Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, it tells you uh, how he had a heart after God. It says, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. That's what David did. He, he had a heart to do God's will. Remember, that's the big priority, <laughs> that Jesus taught on when he was here on this earth. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. And then when he gave the disciples prayer in Matthew six, you know, our father, which art in heaven, how would be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then he, when he was being uh, tested in the garden, he said, pass this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Jesus 
had a heart after the will of God, to please God, to keep everything that God commanded him to do. And David had that heart. Now, was David perfect? No. But David, you know, this is encouraging. This is an encouraging thing for all of us, not just to David, but to all of us, because God doesn't look at perfection because none of us are perfect. But what he looks at is a heart after him to do his will. Remember Jesus said, even in Matthew 7, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do this and do that? And he said, I will profess to them, I never knew you because you did not do the will. The will of God is so important because it is synonymous with the Lordship. That's why I I think, I believe that we need to preach on this more often because there's a lot of people not going to get into the kingdom of God because they're not doing God's will. in, In a lot of our churches, it's all intellectual. It's all sensational, all emotional. But are you doing his will daily in your life? Do you have a heart after God like David? This is encouraging because David sinned, and he sinned great sins. But you know what? He confessed those sins, and he immediately went after God. He had a heart after God to do his commandments. All the Psalms, all about David singing because he got a heart after God. And you see throughout his life, in the midst of all of his imperfection, he had a heart after God. And do you have that? You know, David wanted to keep God's commandments, his laws. He obeyed them in the midst of all of his imperfection. And I say this in closing. Look at, when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, And you see that list of all of those imperfect people, Abraham, you know, Lot, Jacob, you go through the list, and yet God used them despite all of their imperfection. That's some hope. (laughs) That's some hope for you, my friend. That's some hope for me. No, this, This time of the year, we need to hear that. Some of you have been in the gutter. Some of you have been down and out, and you know you failed God. But do you have a heart after him? You know, just get up. Stop wallowing in the mud. You know, the the prodigal son, the difference with him was that he, he ended up being a sheep, not a pig. He didn't stay in the pig's pen. You know, he got up out of the pig's pen because he was a sheep. And he came to his senses. Just come to your senses. Get out of the muck and mind of and the slop, and get up and have a heart after God. That's the that's the real issue. Do you have a heart after God, my friend? And a lot of people don't. A lot of leaders don't. But you got to have a heart. You got to pray for a heart after God, to read that Bible every day, pray every day, witness, humble yourself before God. Let God say, and you, if you don't have a heart, Confess your sins right now and say, God, give me a heart after you, and then follow through. That's the important thing. So hopefully that, uh, Brother Rick, that has helped you. Throw in there the will. It says that in in Acts uh, 13 and 22. 
he uh, had wanted to fulfill the will of God. That That is a heart after God. And a lot of people read this, but they miss that little last part of the verse. Fulfill his will. Are you out there to fulfill his will? Hopefully that helps out, Brother Rick. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to have Brother Gary to uh, pray for you, and we're going to ask everybody in the Bay to pray for Brother Rick, because mom was 91. She uh, passed on. Uh, we hope that she made things right with God uh, before she left this planet. Rick was the only one in this family that made a confession of faith, but we hope that she did on her dying moments. So, Brother Gary, we'll turn it over to you. Well, all right. Lord, we just thank you for Brother Rick. We thank you for his long, long-term faithfulness. He's been part of our ministry for such a long time. And we pray, Lord God, and thank you for this brother and his faithfulness. We pray, Lord God, your word says that you are the God of all comfort. And with the same comfort you comfort us, you would have us comfort each other. And so we, we just pray, Lord God, that your comfort would surround Brother Rick and his siblings and family that they would get a, a powerful sense of your presence and love, Lord God, and that you would turn their hearts, Lord God, to you. Those that are in his family that have not made a profession of faith, Lord God, that they would come to the reality and the real realization of their need for a, fa- a savior. And Lord God, that they would uh, take that time and that by your Holy Spirit, they would humble themselves and confess their sins and seek your face, Lord God, that you, Lord God, would forgive them and draw them unto yourself and make them uh, children of God. We pray that you continue to bless Brother Rick and keep him in good health. We pray that you meet every need that's represented in his life, continue to strengthen him and encourage him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We love you, brother. We appreciate you, and we'll keep you in our prayers and continue to connect with you and encourage you along the way, my brother. You know, stay strong. Uh, Don't allow the enemy to put in your heart to die of a, you know, to tempt you to die of a broken heart syndrome. That is something that the devil always loves to do when someone has a loved one that passes that they're close to. And then they end up passing after that. Don't allow the devil to take you there. And I say that to Rick, but I say it to all of you. Don't don't allow that to happen. We appreciate you, Brother Rick. God bless you, brother. Thank you. All you right. It. Well, it's time for us God to take a commercial all. break. Our phone lines are open, and we need to hear from you tonight. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. And once again, we just want to say thank you to all of you who have been faithful in your prayers and faithful in your giving to Contending for the Faith. It is so important, and we so thank you for your generosity and for your faithfulness 
Uh, there's two ways that you can donate to our ministry. Uh, one is to address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, and that's Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Again, that's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. The second way is so much simpler. Just go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. We thank you so much for your faithful prayers and your faithful giving because it keeps us going, keeps us on the air, and keeps us able to do what God has called us to do. You are partnering with us for time and eternity. All right, we got a lineup of calls. We got four callers to get in before the end of the evening. So we're going to try to make this happen by the grace of God. All right, Dr. Buckner, ready? Yes, let's do it, Brother Gary. You got Brother Cece on waiting on line two. Hey, Brother Cece. Hey, how you doing? Oh, we're blessed. We're truly blessed. Uh, look like we got a lot of static in the background with you. Uh, can you get that background area. out? Uh, let, move, let me see, try to move to a different area right quick. Yeah, there's a lot of noise. Yeah, we got a lot of noise in the background there. Okay, I know that. Okay. Yeah. Is it better now? Yes. It's a, it's a, a little bit better, yes. And, you know, uh, it's good to hear your voice. And because we have such a lineup of callers, let's uh, make this a two-part thing, a short two-part thing. And uh, tell me a little bit about what you learned out of my teaching on it. And then what we'll do is have you to call uh, at the top next uh, Saturday, and then we'll get the part two with you. Okay, okay. What I learned is in Isaiah 53 is when um, Isaiah says, uh, surely he took up our firmness and carried our sorrows, and, you know, he goes into a list of things that that doesn't get, that doesn't guarantee that we will be healed. It's like the word of teachers, uh, word of faith teachers use this. And primarily what the writer is hitting on is justification, because he says my righteous servant will justify many. And just to be justified means to be declared to be righteous. It means... Uh, the removal of God's uh, sin in our lives, you know. What I'm so to be justified is to be declared righteous, and that's the that's what the Hebrew. I mean, that's what um, Isaiah is, is hitting on. It's not so much then. And Peter, Peter picks up on it too. And Peter, he says, for he himself bore our sins, his body on a tree, so we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his stripes we heal. And Peter is confirming what Isaiah has said. And then in Matthew 14. It's the same thing. Same thing when, he, when when Matthew breaks down Christ's ministry, he talks about the healing. It's an affirmation of Christ's deity, and also he's referring to the healing that Isaiah talked about. But it's not always a guarantee that we're going to be healed. That's you know because it says in First John five fourteen that you know saying if we ask according to His will, so we can't always attach that. The main thing that the writer in uh, Isaiah is hitting on is that. We're justified, and we're justified because the wrath of God has been poured upon Christ that we deserve, and there's a W imputation that goes on. His righteousness was imputed to us, and our sins were imputed to him. All right. All right. Very good. Really good job. You uh, 
really gave back a lot of the stuff that uh, I laid out. And this is what I want you to, uh, to look at um, and then uh, comment on next uh, Saturday. Uh, if you recall what I said about Isaiah 53 and 4, and then Isaiah 53 and 5. So uh, what did I say about these two next week? Uh, comment on that and, and bring it in relationship to by his stripes we are healed. So uh, can you remember that? Uh, yeah, I will, I will, I will bring, it, uh, bring it next week. And also I want to just say my heart goes out to uh, Brother Rick. And I'm, I'm praying for him. I keep praying for him. I just love his faithfulness that even though that happened to his mother, he's still on the air and he still, he still, um, have love for God. And I, my heart goes out to him. I'm praying for him. I just love his, um, his commitment that he has. You know, that's, that's awesome. And, and I'm praying for him. Amen. That, uh, I know that he's listening and he surely appreciates that. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, we're going to continue to keep you in our prayers and your family as well. So uh, God bless you, brother. And thank you for uh, your comments tonight, which it was good. And we look forward to next week. All right, let's go to Craig. Craig, how you doing? Yeah, hi, Dr. Buckner. You sure have some nice, great callers, your regular callers there. I, I just really enjoy them. They're very smart and uh, uh, really God-fearing. But uh my question is um, about the second coming of Christ, that issue, with all your biblical knowledge and, and study. Um, now, to me, the second coming of Jesus could have been like when he was resurrected and he appeared to all his disciples, but um, could you kind of give me the timeline of how he talks about you know the second coming, the way Everybody understands it these days, um, and and also um, the second coming and the end of the world. Is it always like when Christ talks about that, or they talk about that? I don't know in the Book of Revelation or the Book of Acts. Is it always? Is that always together? The second coming of Christ in the end of the world, or the, or is it something possibly separate? I think, you know, the way I've always understand it, they're always together, but I don't know the Bible good enough. And that's why yeah. I'm asking you. Right. Asking you this. Well, that's a good question. Well, let me ask it this way, that it's always generally together. And that's why it would be good to do a uh, study of, uh, in terms of the chronological order, uh, you can look at... Uh, John um, chapter 5 and also uh, particularly John chapter 6 because when you look at John chapter 6 he mentions the last days over and over and he puts it he puts it in uh, synchronization to his coming so when you look at um, John 6 and you look at verse 39, it talks about he should raise it up again at the last day, and that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him, many 
have everlasting life and will be raised up at the last day. So Jesus puts the last day synonymous with his second coming. And then you see again in verse 44, uh, I will raise him up at the last day. And then you have the last day mentioned again in verse 54 uh, in this in this chapter. Now, when it comes to the second coming itself, what I would encourage you to do, and then we could talk about this a little bit more because we want to make sure we get to some of the other callers, but uh, what I would encourage you to do, and then we could revisit this again, uh, look at um, Matthew uh, chapter uh, 24. So, uh, because what you have there is Jesus uh, laying out uh, his second coming, Matthew chapter 24. And so when okay. you look at that, it's what you're dealing when you what you're dealing with is a chronological order. So you have I would encourage you to look at Matthew 24 through 25, and then Mark chapter 13, and Luke 21 verses 5 through 26. Um, now, so the way that's broken up is you have a local prophecy, you have a local prophecy, and then you have a universal prophecy. So you have Jesus talking about the temple being destroyed, and he talks about the abomination desolation. Well, when you get to the section dealing with the abomination desolation, then you're talking about a future prophecy. So you have the local prophecy which is everything from verse one, where the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Uh, and then you have getting right down to the mid section of verse 15 and so forth. You have the abomination desolation uh, where the antichrist comes into the temple. And so you're getting into a future prophecy. So you break those two into a local prophecy and then a future prophecy. So look at those things and, uh, Call me back, and we'll talk about it some more. But hopefully, I've given you some homework to do, and then next time you call, we can I can elaborate upon that more. I mean, this is a tall order for my old brain. I mean, it, I wish you gave the assignment to Brother Cece. Uh, but well, uh, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> what, you, what you do is uh, look at the uh, podcast, go through it again, and you'll be able to uh -huh. get it. All right, okay. my brother. We'll we do. appreciate your call. You. God, God, God bless right. you. Appreciate your call. God bless. Oh, God bless. Okay, brother Gary, let's get to our. All right, list. let's quickly go to Sophia, and then we can take Alfred's off the air. Sounds oh, hello. Good. Um, I How want to doing? say something. I get to I get to my question next week. I want to say, like the two of you, I love Rick so much. I want to say something from my heart and from my mind. I know it's my understanding that Rick, his mother, was fearful of condemnation, fearful of hell. I know that Rick prayed for her. I believe God answers prayers. God says, we don't, I don't, only I know who I will save. I think there's a good opportunity in the moment. We don't know what happened in that moment when she passed us on. And I, I, I pray and I can believe intellectually that that might have happened, that God might have scooped her up because she had that fear. She had that fear. 
she had the fear of condemnation. I think that was without the eyes of the rabbi upon her, I think that she might have reached out to, to God. So I am praying that that is the case. And I love Rick so much, as do you both. And I pray, and I really believe in my heart. I'm not just saying it, just uh, empty words. I believe that's a good possibility, knowing how much she feared condemnation. That is a good sign. And I think, as I said, no one was around not in that moment. It's just a second. It takes a second to reach out to God. And I think that without the rabbi, without the, the, kind of a, her traditions, she was kind of a prisoner to her traditions in the Jewish faith, I think it could have happened. And I think that that's a good thing, and I hope Rick is listening, because I love him so much, and I know he prayed so hard, and I think that this is a good possibility, and I'm using my intellect to calm not just my heart. So that's what I want to say. And well, then next know, week I get to my question. You know, you know what? We, we hope and pray that everything you're saying is true, and, and I know that Rick is touched by what you're saying. And what we're going to do, so we can get to Alfred's question too, what we're going to do is address your, your question next uh, Saturday and make sure that you make a note of it so we can remember. But let me just say this as an opener uh, regarding your, your question uh, when you said what uh, you give clarity around the Lord's Prayer and the line, uh, lead us not into temptation. Okay, so just let me say this as an opener. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, that uh, the section where Jesus teaches, lead us not into temptation, that is known as the disciples' prayer. Oh. The Lord's prayer is actually in John 17. Oh. Very few people know that. But that's the disciples' prayer that you just mentioned rather than the Lord's prayer. And lead us not into temptation is a prayer that all of us should pray daily uh -huh. because um, God uh, doesn't tempt anyone to sin, uh -huh. but what he does is he tests us to see how faithful uh -huh. and loyal we're going to be. So we can also pray to God, lead us not into temptation, uh -huh. uh, but God does it uh, because he did it with Job. Uh, he did it with Peter. Uh -huh. uh, he did it with, he does it with uh, all of his children. Uh -huh. The reason why is because he wants to test your faith and your loyalty to see if you're faithful. And also, it's a situation where, uh, you know, uh, it's preparing us for heaven because mm -hmm. God is not going to just bring people into heaven that are not faithful and loyal. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I'll elaborate on this more next uh, Saturday. But I just Thank wanted you. to throw God that out as an openness for you to chew on that. Alfred, we go fast, and God bless you both. God bless you, too. All right, Brother Gary? Alfred had a question. Your thoughts on Galatians 6 and 7, where it says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Oh, yes. So let me just say this, that uh, because our time is almost out. Uh, this is a tremendous uh, scripture. Uh, where Paul, he in Galatians 6 and 7, is talking, using the agriculture of the day to say that people would sow and reap. And then the Spirit of God led him to say something on the spiritual realm that, you know, we can sow to the Spirit or we can sow to the flesh. And there is uh, consequences for both. And we can get rewarded for sowing to the Spirit 
or we can sow to the flesh and be judged by God. So, and when he mentions the word mock, God cannot be mocked. No one could even try to mock him, even though they tried to mock They even tried to mock him at Christ's trial, uh, but it didn't work. So this is tremendous uh, teaching, uh, and we just got to sow to the spirit, not to the flesh, and we will get reward if we sow to the spirit, not to the flesh. Here All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast, and we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. Uh, Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.